0: Uh, take your Bible and uh, let's look at Matthew's gospel, the very last chapter, verse uh, 28. Matthew 28. Matthew is, of course, the tax collector. Uh, talk about a guy who was really on the outs. You know, you'd, you'd look around and we do that. We look around and we say, well, there's a nice guy. Boy, there's a good guy. Wouldn't it be great if God saved him? Right? Sometimes we think that about athletes. Kyle Brady has had a wonderful testimony through the years in in, in professional sports. Way, way back when it was my joy to to baptize him and the early disciple him and and others. And we look at different ones and we go like, boy, if God would save him, what an influence. Well, Matthew's a guy you would have looked at and you thought like, "Uh, I don't think we want him. I don't think we want the IRS guy, do we? Especially when he's on the take and he's gouging you in, you know, not 35% or 38 and a half, whatever it is, but I'll take 70%, you can have the rest, and I'll turn in some to Rome and keep the rest lived in luxury. God saved him wonderfully by God's sweet grace. That's how anyone is ever saved. So don't ever count people out. You know, it's amazing who uh, God uh, saves, even the likes of you and me. We could all tell a story, and it'd all be a little bit different. And uh, that's the way it is. Well, that's Matthew. And Matthew uh, presents here in 28 uh, not only the, uh, the wonderful resurrection of Christ, but what turns out to be the climax and purpose of his gospel. It's not the resurrection. If you think the resurrection account, chapter 28, in the first few verses there is the climax, you're wrong. I mean, as important as that is, and it certainly is, it's really what we call the Great Commission. That's the climax and the purpose of his whole gospel. And he gives that to us in 28, verse 16 and following. And let's read that together. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you, always, or all the days, to the very end of the age. Well, we're in this uh, little series on uh, our purpose as a church. Who are we? What does God want us to do? What's our vision? We began last week looking at the, the priority of worship, that uh, you and I are to give ourselves to the worship of God. And we do that 724, 24 7 uh, every single day you ought to be a worship to the Lord as you and I live as living sacrifices. That we love God more and more with all our heart, our soul, and our strength, and others as we already love ourselves. And then as we gather together as God's people, we sing and we pray and we give, we fellowship, we study the Word and we worship God. We give Him our attentiveness, we give Him our lives. And we and so worship is the ultimate priority. We will do that. We will bow down and worship Him in the days to come, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, now in our series, the second, I've entitled it "Make Disciples." This is the second in the series. Well, when you think of uh, certain businesses, it uh, is always normal to think about what they produce, right? It is, and in, in the American way, we think that way. You hear a lot of well, the cash for clunkers today, uh, kind of an interesting way for people to buy government motor cars and other cars, right? You, when you think of Ford, what do you think of? You think of what? They make cars and trucks. Ford truck, uh, Ford tub, or is that Ram tub? I don't remember. They make cars and trucks, Right. We've had Fords through the years, and there are better ideas. They make cars and trucks. They produce them. Apple, what does Apple do? They make great computers. You know, once you go Mac, you never go back, somebody said. You know, I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but they make good computers and great phones. Their phones are a huge hit. I don't have one, but they say they're, they're really great. You think that's what they make. When You think of Exxon Mobil. What do they do? They produce oil. They refine this stuff. And, and so you pull up into your gas station and you put a little petro in and you can putt-putt down the road and do whatever you need. They make gas, right? Gasoline and other petrochemical products. That's what they produce. Microsoft, they make uh, system operating systems uh, for your computer, right? And a whole host of other things. Software and all that kind of thing, right? And that's what they produce, well, here's the question. And when you think of the church, what is it that the church produces? What is it? Are we to produce anything? Uh, are we supposed to just kind of huddle together? I like huddles. They're cozy and comfortable. Get a little hug, and right? A little body heat. Say a little prayer, sing a little song, and then leave. Is that what we do here? Is that what it's all about? No way. No way. There, there's a whole midst of of thoughts as to host of ideas as to what the church ought to be doing. Some of you come out of that background. Some of you may be fuzzy in your own mind. What are we doing here? What are we producing as a church? What are we supposed to be doing? There are many, some that view church as producing the social gospel. You know, the social gospel, which is more social and almost no gospel tends to be that way. There are there are mouths that, that need to be fed, and people need to be clothed, and around the world there are terrible agricultural systems, and they need purified water, and what about malaria in Africa and, and other places? And so we need to go out, sort of like the Peace Corps, you know, and, and benevolent, uh, care for our fellow men and women, boys and girls, and children that are die at such a young age with Child diseases, we need to inoculate them. Good things, very good things in their place. Philanthropic type things. You know, loving our brother, being our brother's kid. There's a place for that. No question about that. That's not primary, though. That's not primary. That's not what we're about here, to build a dam over somewhere so that they can turn a little generator and make electricity and power the village. I've been in villages in the Amazon where they never even heard of the United States, and the generator went on at 10 in the morning and went off at 7 at night. That's a strange thing to see all pitch black in the middle of a jungle. Uh, Missionaries, they told me, built the uh, generating plant there. Well, that's not what we're doing here. As important as that is, and we ought to be engaged with that and being our brother's keeper, that's not what we're to produce. Others see it as a peace movement. Well, the church ought to be involved with peace. Oh, well, I give you peace. He's the prince of peace. I pastored in a town for just under ten years, where there was a college, Manchester College, Church of the Brethren School, and uh, I heard about it until I was nauseous. You could get a major in peace, in in peace, right? They they produced the uh, diplomats. We're that's the church. We're to be the peacemakers, détente, and anti-war, we're always against war, Uh, this kind of thing. Well, who, I hate war, you know, who loves war, right? But there's a place where you've got to stop evil as a country. Uh, Otherwise, we'd be speaking German and doing this kind of thing here in the United States, right? It needed to be stopped. Many gave their sons blood, daughter, to stop that tyranny there in Europe not too many years ago not too many years ago. And even in Iraq, you know, why are we there? What are this? And all that hub right? He was a butcher of Baghdad, you know? And uh, you don't hear that story very much. At uh, least he was stopped. And they're not butchering uh, like they were, uh, like they were. And all the rest of that, you may not agree with that and all that, that's a whole other issue. Peace studies, peace. Well, certainly, as we carry the gospel, it brings peace. We ought to be for peace, right? Well, that's not the chief purpose of the church. It's not. Still, others think the church exists to teach people how to live a good life. A lot of people gathering today in places of, uh, they call them church buildings and all. The gospel may or may not be heard, but they want to teach the little Johnnies and Susies and Christians and all the rest how to be good, be a good person. Be a good person, you know, and, and God will let you in heaven. A lot of roads will often say, well, well, get to heaven, but we're going to teach you how to be good. Well, yeah, good in its place, who's against that? Certainly I'm not. That's not the place of the church. That's not what we're doing here. You can be completely good, breathe your last, die and go to hell forever and ever. Now what is that? Now what's that, right? So it's something far more serious, far more important that you and I, and we as a church need to be giving ourselves to. Well, Jesus, in the introduction, made the central mission of the church crystal clear. If you can't see it, then you've, you've got, uh, you need to get the, get the smoke out of your eyes because it's completely clear. That's usually not the problem. Uh, he tells us that if you and, and I are saved, we are to do the work along with, uh, with other Christians, to lead people to, fi- to faith. We're going to be a part of seeing people come to know the Savior through the preaching and teaching of the gospel. Now, preaching, we often think of what I'm doing as pastor right now, preaching, and it is But the word kerusu in the Greek simply means to proclaim. It means to proclaim. It doesn't always mean a formal setting like this. It just means to, to speak the gospel, to speak the good news. No, the Redskins got killed the other night by the Ravens, I heard, in the preseason game. I'm not much for preseason. I don't really care for it. I wish it was a lot shorter. Two games would be enough for me. But uh, the Redskins got killed. The Ravens killed them. 28 nothing or something. And if you're a Baltimore fan, any, any here and proud of it? Not a single one. <laughs> David was here. He'd be for the Redskins maybe. You know, say, well, hey, we won. That's great news. Well, there's better news than even sports. It's the news that Jesus saves, that heaven is forever, and you can go there and know for sure. That's what you and I are being a part. Of. We simply, we simply speak it, and in a more formal sense, we teach it. Okay, and maybe a home Bible study. And so, have you ever studied the Bible? Well, you're educated. Have you ever studied the primary source? Well, not that nonsense you heard other people say. Have you studied? No, I never have. Well, come on over for about six weeks. Let's, uh, well, let's see what the, what the Bible has to say and begin to teach Ephesians. You know, Come to two, you know, for by grace, sir, you say, what does that mean? Never heard that. What is grace? Through faith, what's that mean? You're, not of works. You mean not being, no. I never heard this before. You'd be surprised. People that never have heard the gospel. I hear it all the time. you got to be good to go to heaven. Hell is going to be filled with a lot of so-called good people. Mm-mm. So we, so you and I, here it is. The Lord makes it clear. You and I as Christians are to lead people to faith through the preaching, that is simply proclaiming, uh, and teaching of the gospel. Then we're to bring them into the church through baptism. That's where they publicly identify with a local body, like grace, and teach them. There it is, lifelong. That's what uh, I major on, really. God's made me a pastor teacher. I'm to do the work of evangelists, but my heart, my soul, my life primarily is teaching believers how to grow up in the things of Christ so that you and I and we as a church collective can be reproducing in the hearts and lives of others. That's what we're doing here. That's what it's all about. That's what Jesus tells us. The church is to produce disciples. That's what we're doing. Jim Boyce wrote, a disobedient church is one that does not evangelize. It begins to dry up or even dies because of that. When many in the church give themselves to this, you and I, we view others around us as needing the Lord, and we do whatever, give a book, invite them, uh, uh, meet with them, have coffee. We'll talk about ways to do that. When we're burdened and praying and seeking and to do that, uh, it, uh, it, it's, it, it's a blessed church. It is. It's fishing season. You know, the Susquehanna is great for small bass. And uh, I was laying around. I've hardly ever gone there. And, and, in, and while I was recovering, I was thinking, I got to do that. I want to try dropping a line in. I'm going to do that. I mentioned the guy, we've got to go out. I want to try that before I die. Uh, and I said, Is it in season You know, for, for whatever? It's always in season for, for fishing for men and women. Uh, you don't have to worry about, well, it's out of season. We'll try next season. That's what we're up to and to be doing. Well, two, two questions and helping us to obey Jesus' command to make the sign. It's a command. Two, two questions. Well, the great mission of the church is what? It's to sow love. I always remember Dr. Kempton. I'll say it again. As he loved people enough, people that were outside of the church knew that when to love them before that God loved them. Isn't that great? What a great apology. People ought to know that we love them and we care about them and we are for them. It doesn't matter what sort of aberrant, weird, goofy the degenerate lifestyle they live. If God has brought you in close proximity to them, he wants you to love them, the love of Christ to flow through you to them. They may have an opportunity to tell them of the love of Christ before they breathe their last. Love them, learn, and live. You and I are to do that in this great mission of the church as to call men and women to Jesus Christ. We are to seek and to save the lost. Everything else, as good as it may be, and there are a lot of good things. Well, it's secondary. It's secondary. It really is. Well, two questions. What's the first question? Question number, one: what's involved in making a disciple? What's involved? Well, ask A, what is a disciple? Are they just the, uh, the 12? I've heard about them. I remember them from Sunday school. They're 12 disciples. And then Judas was unsaved and lost. He's in hell, the son of perdition. Now they're 11. Then Paul's added later. Is that, is that it? Well, yeah, they were. But God is uh, making disciples today. And Jesus is commanding us here in our text. Matthew 28, make disciples What's a disciple? Well, two things are required for you to be a disciple. So take inventory. First of all, you must have placed your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ from your sin. If not, your sin hangs over you like a great penalty. This is the beginning. You must, therefore, come to the cross. We sing that. There's room at the cross for you. We sing that. We use poetic license with that, meaning that Come to Jesus, confessing your sin, your lostness. that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come, kneel, confess your sin and receive him. To those who received him, he gave the power to be called sons of God. You must. That's the beginning. That's why it's called new birth, or to be born from above. But that's not enough to be a disciple. That's not enough. That's the beginning. That's the, gentlemen, start your engines. And then it begins, right? Number two, so you must be, second of all, following him. Very important key there. You notice, some of you know your Bible better than others. And the the disciples were called, what? Uh, that they might be with him. That they were with Jesus. They followed him in that ancient style of students following their teacher around the countryside as he would teach them and live with them and eat with them. Well, we too today are to be following him in a life of continually learning. We study our Bibles, not just on Sunday, but every day. We open them. We read. We ask God to make it clear. We turn the TV off. get sick of that after a while, just... and open the Bible and read it and say, Lord, speak to me, teach me, grow me. It's bread of life. And so we learn of him and we strive for obedience. It's, we call him Lord. There was confusion about 20 years ago, this whole question of the lordship of, of Jesus. It's kind of a strange thing when you think about it. He is Lord Jesus Christ. We confess him as Lord Jesus Christ. It's not like I'm saved now. And maybe I'll decide later whether he's my Lord. Uh, I'm sorry, go back to go. You've got the wrong gospel. You know, don't collect two hundred dollars either. <laughs> you're in deep trouble. Now, is it true that as you begin to grow and as time goes on, the lordship of Christ becomes incre- you're, you become increasingly aware of that? Of course, of course but he is Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess him that. That means you follow him, you strive to obey him, and as you do, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. So you've been born, it begins, and then you're walking through life, the steps of a good man or woman, ordered by the Lord, he's leading, he's guiding. It's amazing how he does that. That's what a disciple is. Write down John 10, 28. Jesus said in that good shepherd discourse, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Now, just stop here a minute. If you've named the name of Christ, but you are not following him, you've got a problem. The heart is so deceitful and and wicked that you could have deceived yourself and not be saved. No greater thing for you to settle that right today, Lord Jesus. Uh, I I confess my sin. I don't know what happened back there when I prayed with Mama or Daddy or whatever. I receive you as my Savior and be saved today. Now, a believer can turn into sin, go off the road, and you're you're entangled with things you should not be. And you need to confess that and repent of that, get back, follow His voice. That is uh, what we need to do as disciples. Well, B., Jesus, in our text in Matthew 28, uh, uh, he outlines the process of how disciple a disciple was made, and there are four alls really clear in the Greek, but let's call them four universals the way it's expressed in the English uh, in our text, and they are directive for us in this great uh, commission. Let's just read uh, the uh, the verses again. Uh, pick it up at verse, uh, this time, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, and you can almost circle the universals here. Here's the first one. All authority, that's the first one, is given to me, uh, has been given to me by the Father. Therefore go and make disciples of, here's the second, all nations, a second universal, and to teach them. In the in end, the it doesn't quite show it. Were to teach them all things, or everything, is the way the NIV puts it. That's the third universal. And, and last, I have commanded you, and surely I am with you all the days. In, in the Greek, all the days to the very end. And there is the fourth, the divine accompaniment as we go forth in obedience to make disciples. Well, he outlines these this the, this whole process of the command of what we're to be producing in our life, and we as a church, this uh, is commonly called the Great Commission. It's not that you're in sales and do I get a commission at the end of the corner? I want my bonus, I want my commission. No, this is far more important than that. Actually, this pays heavenly dividends forever. Right? So it's greater than all of that. Well, look at the first universal. Number one, since Jesus has all authority, he has the authority uh, then, because it's been given to him by the Father, to tell us what to do. You see, he's our Lord. He has saved us, and now he is resurrected. Now these are like final words, at least in Matthew's Gospel, before he ascends. Final words are very important. What's the last thing Mama said before she died? What did Daddy say? You know, we want to hear that. Very important. What's the last thing? You know, here's the final words, at least in just uh, before the end in Matthew's gospel. Well, what? All authority is given. I have the. I have the. I have the right to command you. He is saying. That's what he's saying. The Father gave that. The right. Now there are two words for power or authority, and sometimes we think the the power dynamidinimus, which is explosive power, power in your engine, makes it go. That's not the word here. This is the right. This is the word exuxia. It's the right to command, the right to order. You get stopped by the police driving the church. Hopefully that doesn't happen to you. It has the people I know, in days gone by. It's, it really encouraged me because they're in such a hurry to get to church. Think about that. That's usually not the reason they're racing the church. (laughs) But the man with the badge comes up to the window and he usually smiles, right, before he lifts your wallet. And a ticket is very expensive today. And you say, well, you don't have the... why Why did you... I have the right. I have the authority by the magistrates to stop you. You're a disaster. You could cause an accident. What? The badge. Right? We understand that. He has the right, the power to be able to do that. Sometimes uh, having a family with seven kids growing up, my folks would occasionally leave the older ones in charge of the younger ones when they would go out, though they didn't go out too much because there's so many of them. But uh, I remember one time my brother saying, you're going to listen to me. 20 months older than me. Imagine that. You're going to listen to me. You're going to bed. And I said, you don't have the right to order me. You don't have the right. Yeah, I do. I'm in charge, and I'm bigger than you. you see, he's trying to muscle in, right? Now, that never happened to you. And I'm saying as a young kid, you don't have the authority. And of course, my father did, or my, in that case, my mother did delegate that to him. He's in charge, right, kind of a thing. Well, Jesus is saying, listen, I have the authority. The Father has given it to me on heaven and on earth to order you. I have the the authority to order you to do what I'm asking you to do. He's been given on your sheet. He's been given all authority over everything on earth, even over the unsaved. Now, be encouraged by this. Therefore, not only is the Lord had the authority to order us to make disciples, but he has authority over all the people and all the forces that exist in this world, whether evil or good or natural, as we say. And so as we do that, the Lord is able to bring fruit from even our feeble efforts. And I shall say, a lot of the church is extremely feeble in this fishing business I don't, I, you know, we're, uh, we're timid, we're afraid, we're overwhelmed, we're too busy, we're not focused, we're not fishing. Drop your lines down and we're looking at the stars or something. Fish. I'm ordering you to fish. Make disciples. Drop the lines down. Cast the nets. Sow the seed. Do that. Uh, it's my prayer that each one of us make a commitment today that I'm going to do that. I don't know how many more days God will give me to fish. I'm going to fish. Get engaged and get get about an exciting life. Live beyond your own. What are we going to eat for lunch? And then what do we do? And then what do I ah, get a bigger view of what's happening here. Fish. The Lord has the ability to control even those who are fishing among and sharing the gospel and to bring about His fruit. Wow. Wow. Well, second, universal. He has the authority, but second, we are to take the gospel to all nations. It's just not an Israel-type thing. They were so inbred and and disobedient. The nation Israel was to be the uh, gospelizers of the whole world. But they ended up getting way off. They despised and called uh, people that weren't Jewish dogs and everything else. That's a nice... (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and so God is saying to us listen, if you possess the gospel it's just not your community though it may be your Jerusalem but the entire world all ethnos this is where we get the ethnic from nations, people groups language groups need to hear the gospel and we are to, to be a part of it making disciples uh, throughout the world that involves evangelism It involves uh, evangelism to make a disciple. Every believer, every one of you, is to be an instrument in fulfilling this mission. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. How beautiful are the feet that bring the good news of the gospel. Nahum wrote it first, uh, good news to Israel. Paul picked that same phrase up in in Romans 10, how beautiful that is. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. And so uh, we are to do this for all nations. It's a very big task. Imagine that you got these disciples there in Jesus' day. Go out in all the world. and win the, What an enormous task for just a handful of people by comparison. And yet the Spirit of God would bless that and produce the fruit. And here we stand 21 centuries later as a result of that work, of somebody's work, making disciples. It's like a chain and links in the chain. You and I are a link in that chain. Don't let it end with you. What a sad thing. Stand before the Lord. What, what did you do for me? Well, you know, I, I was a little afraid. Stand up here, you know. You see what I'm saying? The time is short. We need to give ourselves to this. And you know, it's great to be about something big, isn't it? I mean, our lives are pretty puny. Who are we? Our families, our normal mundane life, right? How many of your your jobs are just so exciting every day? Just, ha, none of us, right? It's a lot of routine. I got to do the repetition, same thing, over and over again. There's that guy. He's driving me crazy. You know, over. It's great to be about something big, something beyond us. Our grace, we started this church. How many the Lord raised us up? Just a few years ago. You know, we got over a hundred, hundred something, right? If we all the noses show up at the same time. But we're part of the, the 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 church on earth right now with other believing assemblies in the Cameroon, our sister church, and in other churches, and we're a part of something big. Lift up your eyes and look at it. We're to be a part of evangelizing lost people, sharing the gospel with them. And he tells us that and the way it's put is, while you're going, sometimes you'll hear the, this uh, Matthew 28 18, 9, uh, 18 uh, particularly verse 19, therefore go. You'll hear go as if that's the command. It's not the command. Uh, you have one one verb that's an, a command in this Great Commission, and it's make disciples. That's the verb. It's a command. It's not optional. It's what we're to be producing. Make disciples. There are three. Some of you have no idea what participles are. You fell asleep in grammar when you study. There are three participles telling us how to do it. Well, how do we do it? Going is the first, so it means while you and I go, it assumes we're going to go. Please don't stay here after the service, hang around all night, and tomorrow. And I say, I kind of like it. I think I'll sleep here and, and and stay here. No, no, no. As you go, as you scatter, as we scatter, we evangelize our family, moms in your home. Your children need the Lord. There are other ladies that 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 uh, have little ones, and your. It's easier to make uh, friends or easier, it seems, when our kids are little and their kids are friends and, and, and God has strategically placing As we go, as we go to the market, to school, to work, to play, make disciples. Make them as you go. That's what he assigned to us here. The Lord's crystal clear in this. We're to take the gospel. For, for us as a church, Of course, we focus on the greater Harrisburg area. This is our Jerusalem. This is where God wants us to do our chief work for Him. This is where He strategically placed every one of us. I didn't know when I was in high school I was going to be living in greater Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Did you? Did you know that, Rob? You weren't sure about that. Joe, you were up in the valley, right? Up in that uh, valley. And Galen, well, Galen, you're a native. You're a native down in Dillsburg, that's right, Jim, you were from where's your home? Look at that. And here you are here. and Paul, you were in Long Island, right? Uh-huh, and Bev, you were in Wisconsin. Look at that. and Dave, you weren't in Texas, were you? Here here and there. That sort of says it for all of us, right? And Andy, you were in the land that time forgot, right? You're always telling me that. And Aaron, we wish we were with you down in the Caribbean. You're down there. Look at that. And God has us here, right? Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing. What? To make disciples. This is our field. And each one of us is to be a, a missionary, People need to hear the gospel that through the power of the scriptures and the word work and the work of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, it's not you. It's not your pleasing personality. We know you don't have it. It's not your nice smell, and oh, isn't he need or she? Now make all those things work as much as you can. But that's not what convinces people. It says the word of God is clearly presented and maybe represented, represented. It's the Spirit of God that produces new birth. It's him. He does it. And and converts people of sin to Christ. and, and, uh, And then they follow him as their true Lord and Savior. John MacArthur writes, Reaching the loss for Christ is difficult. And it is. It's demanding. And the results are often slow in coming. But I'll remind you that people need the Lord. We sang that this morning. We're going to close just singing The chorus, one more time. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people, empty people, filled with care. Headed who knows where. Only they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries that only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. We're called to take us light to a world where wrong seems right. What could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost? What could, what, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. That's what he's saying. You and I are to give ourselves to something big, bigger than our own selves, our own lives. That's the purpose of which he saved us and kept us here. You know that evangelism is the only thing, if you're saved, that you can do now that you won't do in heaven. I'm sorry to tell you, you, everyone you greet in heaven, you won't have to share the four spiritual laws. Already got it. Already in. I'm saved. Look at uh, that. Worship, uh, you're going to worship in heaven, right? We're going to pray or talk to the Lord in heaven. But evangelism, uh uh Won't have to do that at all. That's why he leaves us here, to be a part of that. This is our mission field. Well, the third universal, we're to teach Christians all things. After they come to Saving Faith, the third universal, teaching them all things that I've commanded you. The goal is to bring about maturity in the life of that believer. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why Rob works with our youth with... uh, on, on Sunday at 3 and other activities to see these unchurched kids uh, come to know Christ and then be discipled in the faith. That's why we run our men's fraternity. We're going to do that in a few weeks, start up. we got a great study planned for September on Monday night, hoping to get 20, 25 of you men here, and the ladies, maybe 30. You had 30 last year. Faith is, uh, we're looking forward to that. Well, wow, that's discipleship. That's accountability. It's Monday night. That's why we do that. We're given that. What? To produce through teaching the deep things of the word of God maturity. So you're not like a wimp. You're not susceptible to immature ways, tossed to and fro. Paul writes it in Ephesians 4. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's new. I'll try it. No. You go like, no, that's garbage. That's satanic. You see, I know the truth. I don't have to know all the counterfeits. And that's what we're given here, the disciple. That's why Jim and Ramona are going uh, over to Cameroon to disciple, to, to help bring the level of maturity up. Uh, God has given us uh, ministries in various places through our missionaries. That's why Faith and I have uh, gone to Doha. And they've been asking, please come back. We've been in a mess. They're throwing us out in the building. And maybe later in the year, at the end of the year, Look, I'd rather stay home in my own bed. I'd rather stay about my own routine. It's comfortable. It's easy to go into a country that hates Christ and is uh, spiritually dark. Why do we do that? To disciple, to train, to train, to build up so that the church, when it scatters, can evangelize and win more lost. We are commanded to teach all things. Let me say about that. Today, many churches... Some of you come out of a variety of church backgrounds. Many today, and increasingly so, this dumbing down of the church. I mean, there was a day, if you go back to Paul's day, I mean, it was like this 20-minute sermon, ask the Apostle Paul about that. He'd have something to tell you about that. Paul, are you only going to speak for 20 minutes today? How about 18? Tell us a little story. I like the little stories. String a verse in and then we'll go home. Can we do that, Paul? Sit down. We're not leaving here to the end of the night. You're going to be here for hours. Remember the guy who fell asleep? What was his name? Eutychus. Paul was teaching for hours and hours. And he fell and he, it, he died, right? He died in the service. You ever see the sign, those that died in the service? <laughs> little boy thought that was the worship service not the war you know <laughs> he died well they said don't put him to sleep they say this in seminary don't put him to sleep uh, don't don't put him to death unless you can raise him paul raised him up you know so so but today it's just dumbing down you see it in uh, look we're, I'm all for user friendly I'm all for you, you know having a church that's winsome but it's uncomfortable when unsaved folks, it's the most natural thing, invite them to church, be under the word, but uh, it's uncomfortable. You know, we're worshiping the Lord, we're praying, we're giving, they sense there's a close community, and then the scriptures are proclaimed, you, you know, and, and taught. And, uh, and so the message ought not be dumbed down, so it's user-friendly, unsaved-friendly. I, don't, I, I will never be a part of that. I know what the teaching has meant in my life. And so many churches, they dumb down their teaching. They try to eliminate much, concentrating instead on things that are easy and unobjectable. Well, usually it's a grace without judgment, a love without justice, a salvation without obedience. Just be saved, try Jesus, take him, go live how you want. That's a common man. Me- victory without any suffering. Well, that fits the American way. I never want to suffer. Don't ask me to suffer. You know, I'm there until, you know. (laughs) Yet, I'm reminded, listen, robust disciples are never made through watering down the doctrine and teaching of the Word. It's the whole counsel of God. And we must teach the whole Bible, the whole counsel to God's people and to serve it up in a way that they understand. That's one reason why I love Uh, 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 rather than teaching graduate school, where they're paying the the sit-in-the-seat, they're paying good money in seminary, taught that for years. They're highly motivated. They're pretty bright people. They have reached, uh, you know, they've been done college, now they're in graduate school, so, you know, they're they're pretty motivated and all that, and you can speak in a certain... I love the great challenge of making the truths of the word understandable to the little ones as well as to great-grandma, and all the way through and putting the cookies down here, and then you really know. If you know something, that's the challenge for me. You're going to lose anybody with 50-cent words, right? But make the gospel understandable. You notice Jesus did that? The brightest one who ever lived. Boy, they understood. How come he teaches so different from everyone else? We understand that. That's my charge, to teach the whole council of God and you know, I what, what what does that include? I have on your sheet a couple of things, and certainly includes the high view of Scripture. We stand unashamedly upon the authority of Scripture. It is God's holy and wonderful Word. It's not man's opinion. Many churches have chucked that. When you read, I heard the Lutheran Church, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, is deciding, I think, this week on certain issues of perversion with the clergy and all that. And I go like, you say, and we hear this, They say, well, what happened? They already threw the Bible out the door. That's what happened. It's not, it's not, we're not making rocket ships here. They, kinda, they did a drop kick. We don't need this anymore. There it goes. Now it's just like, hey, what do you want to do? They lost their Bible. We'll never do that is the Word. When you don't have the Scriptures, you have nothing and nothing. The Bible is all important. Sovereignty of God is important. God is, he is king of kings and Lord of lords. He rules over all matters. People have such a peon little God, at least in their, in their wrong thinking. God rules over all matters in all places, and there's no such thing as accidents. There's no plan B. No plan B. It's all plan A. And people need to know that, specifically in the doctrines of salvation, that God is sovereign. He's calling out a people. You decided for Christ, but when you read the Bible, you discover as you grow, whoa, he he issued an efficacious call, and he drew me through the Spirit of God, brought me near. Bill came near. He left a track, and God saved me. God's done that. It's all of it. Sovereignty of God. How about the depravity of men? We need to teach that. A day where everyone's feeling real good, everybody just kind (laughs) of hug, you know? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Willful ignorance. Don't have to teach people to do good. Don't have to teach kids that. We just kind of do that. I remember that when I stole my first thing of gum down at Teal's Dairy. Hey, what's that over there? Juicy fruit, you know? I was a sinner. I needed that was before God saved me. It's funny how you remember that. Depravity of men. There's nothing, nothing that you and I can do to ever merit salvation. Nothing. The gospel is good news and bad news. All the good news is what God has done. You and I are the other side of it. It's the bad news. Not of any works of righteousness that we have done. That in itself is a message. People are clueless in the street about if they know anything at all about Christianity. I'm trying to keep the Ten man. Good luck. Impossible. How are you doing with that covetousness? Paul said he came to that one and it wiped him out. He found out he broke all the other ones when he found out he was a, had a covetous heart. You need to teach it, to pray. How about salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone? You've got to hear that. And then the work that God has given us to do. What, in, what, what a work it is. Wow. Wow. And finally, the fourth, universal. When we do his work of discipling, we have the encouragement that Jesus is always with us. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? He promises to be with us. I'm afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. When you and I just get the bigger view of our life. I'm with you. Oh, I love that so much. That he is with us when, when we do it. He's not only with us when we worship. Then we love to say that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Really, that's like worship. Oh, that's, oh, I love that. He's in a special way in the midst of us. But not only there, but when we, when we go uh, into all the world Make disciples, teaching them all things. Lo, I am with you always. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. Oh, man, thank you. Well, that's what's involved in making a disciple. Make disciples. Well, second question, helping us to obey, and we'll do this quickly, because a lot of these are practical suggestions. You're still saying, okay, I understand what we're to be making here, But how can we do this vital work of making disciples? How can we do it? How do I do it? Well, for most of us, we must come to understand the value of relationships. God orders all of life. He's ordered all of your life, your personality, your family, your training. We already said where you and I live and carry about our life and livelihood. God orders all of that for his glory. He orders all of life, and that includes all of our relationships. God has placed us in particular families. You think he messed up. I certainly am in the wrong family. No, he didn't. And even if you're adopted, you're in the family God wants you to be in, where you need to be. Neighborhoods. Say, well, I made the choice. Yeah, you did? Yeah, right. God... Did all that, gave you all the resources, all the brain activity, all the opportunity, and you live, believe me, I don't care where you live, you're, you're living in a vicinity where God has placed you. Okay? And the people around you, and, and, and the relationships there, neighborhoods, workplaces. Say, hey, well, you know, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps, and I am where I am. I got news for you. You're kidding yourself. God is working us something far more important than you to make a living. That's important in its place, better than living outdoors and holding a tin can, right? But God is up to something far bigger than that. Get the bigger view. What is it we're doing? What do we pr- make disciples? Relationships. It's the key, and how we do that. You're working where God has you to work for the reason. What? Here it is to influence people for Christ. I'd like to light a fire under all of us and say, wow, man, I never realized that. It doesn't end with me. There's a work to be done. I've got to give myself to this. Wow, I go to work to supply and to give and all that, but even more importantly, what? I want to be an influence for Jesus Christ, salt and light. You know, one man writes that 75 to 90% of people who come to church And who eventually get saved are influenced by people who know them, by their family and friends. It's like rocket scientists, right? It's the people we know. Well, all of us, A, have a network of relationships. This is not anything new. And it's built around four natural contacts. What are, A, biological. We're all part of a family with relatives, Right? Second, geographical. This is where you live. You're not over there, you're here. I know in some of the philosophy classes, I think, I said, how do you know you're not over there? And hey, Where are you? And, you know, falls in the wo- Please, give me my tuition back. I'm here, and you're here. You know? <laughs> geographical. Vocationally, it involves the people we work with. And we spend a lot of time with the people we work with. It's by God's design and direction on that. And finally, recreation is the people you play with, go fishing with, go hunting with, go to the Y with, work out with, right? Kayak with, right? People you play with, run with, whatever. Well, B, so we need to discover our networks and make a list of likely contacts by asking, Lord, who is it that you want of these these natural relationships for me to be an influence uh, for Christ? And then once God has laid upon your heart a number of names, maybe only one, but maybe two or three or five, then write their names down, okay? Write their names down and put it on your prayer sheet. Put it in your Bible. Don't bury it there so you never see it until I preach Obadiah someday. Oh, there it is. I wondered where that was, you know? Keep it handy. Put it on your desk And pray for those people. You'd be surprised. Listen, God is up to something. If he's burdened your heart to have their name, he's placed you there, God is up to something. I've lived long enough to see. You may be dead before they're saved, but that may be a part of bringing them. But you may have the privilege of seeing them saved. What a joyful thing that is. Write their names down. Pray for them. And then then what, right? See. You must invest in these relationships. Get out of your own little little worlds. There's a world that's perishing. Their houses of their lives are on fire, and the heat is only going to get worse in the lake of fire. And you live right next door to them. Your desk is right next to them. Uh, you go to school with them. You play with them. You're playing racquetball with them. Get the bigger view here. They're in your neighborhoods, So they're the little kids that ride their bikes by. Determined to invest in these relationships. Now here's some practical ways. I, I want to leave this crystal clear today. Number one, become personally involved in the lives of others. Give yourself to it. And give some significant time to them. Don't be, uh, you know, consider that to be an idol. That's my time. You know, when you go into the fence, close the door, and you don't come out again. No, get the bigger picture. Invest. Maybe it's just one person. And some, I pray, some heart, some name is coming to your mind right now. Give some time. Look at two. Invite them or your friends. That's what I'm referring to. Friends that you've written their name down, you're burdened by. Invite them out to lunch or dinner. Have them in for coffee. Your home. Use your home. People don't use their home like they once did. They should. Use it. Look, you came with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. You think you own it? You don't own it. My father had a dream home, and they carried him out the front door, never to return again. That's a visual in my mind. Keep a loose hand on stuff. It's not yours. My mother sold his Cadillac. She gave it away. She was angry at God. That guy got a good deal. <laughs> Gone forever. Use what you have. That Paul says, right? First Corinthians, that I might win some. You say, well, Paul, come on. you know your th- It's not you that win it. It's God that win it. Yeah, but he said, it's my voice, and it's my life, and it's my time, and I'm investing. and going to give myself to Christ. Number three, look at Do things together with these folks. Give, give it. Attend plays. Maybe you hate plays, okay? Hate the theater. So go to sporting events, okay? Just enjoy being with them. You don't, have to, you don't have to preach with them every time you... Don't! i give you a tip. Don't say anything for a good while, okay? Just love them, all right? They'll think like, this guy's a screwball. I never met anybody like this guy. Do that. It's far more than what you're doing now, most of us. All right, go to, go hunting with him. Don't shoot him. Fish, help them fish. <laughs> Dick Cheney, didn't he shoot somebody? Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> don't do that. Number four, use special days to share interest with them. Birthdays, birthday cards. Boy, you mean the world to me. Holidays, Christmas, have them over for a cookout. I don't know, anniversary, whatever. Five, join a service club. There's not a lot of that today. But, you know, Rotary, something like that. Interest club, cooking, the giant runs cooking, to meet people. Uh, Hunting clubs, they go and they show the the slides of what they killed and that kind of stuff. You know, that works for Central Pennsylvania. Just to meet others. I love Faithy. Part of the reason she works at Talbots, she certainly doesn't get paid very much. But uh, part of the reason is, a big reason is that she could meet people in the community it any wonder that uh, she has prayed and one of them come on Monday night. And they're reading her. We bought her a Bible. She's reading the Bible. We had not even known her except that. And they love her and they have a heart for her and they ask her to pray and all the rest. Ra- Why? That, that's living with heaven in view. That's living with a view to make disciples. That's the view that we ought to have, every one of us. Number six, another idea. Kosha boys or girls athletic team. People love coaches. I did that in Indiana. Came a point in time in that church plant we did, where there was an opening in the high school. They needed a varsity wrestling coach. I'm up early, and by three thirty, I don't have too many creative ideas. And so the guys thought, "Great idea!" And they recommend, "Go for it." So I was a high school wrestling coach for four years. I can't tell you how that opened the door to the community to me. Spent time with people's kids. They love you for it. They would have they would have sneezed at me prior, but now I'm I'm this coach who happened to be a pastor. I opened the high school. I was pre- I was not preaching. <laughs> yeah, I was preaching at National Honor Society, <laughs> presenting Edison and Lincoln and oh yes Jesus <laughs> in the public high school. You know and and other. It's amazing. Coach a team. I Faith and I coached little league baseball team. I get. And they get involved in the community. It's good to join the school board if they'll have you. And get involved to, to know people. Become a teacher's aide. They'll bless you for it. Volunteer at the hospital. Faithy's dad did that. He's down in, in Florida in his last years of his life. He's riding a golf cart down in the parking lot, bringing people. Old folks couldn't get around from the parking lot into the hospital. He'd shuttle them in. And before they got off his cart... They had a gospel track in hand, and a lot of them were Jewish in it. That's offensive to me. And Pop would handle them so well, <laughs> bring it back to Jesus. Finally, he got, he got reprimanded a lot of times. He said, well, the Lord's given me it, and as long as they want me to volunteer, they're not paying me anything. <laughs> There's a guy that lived with the right view. Make disciples. And then finally, when his legs didn't work and we went to the mall down there, I saw him one day he's sitting with a young boy on a bench in the mall talking to this kid. And I went over, you know, because it's kind of strange, an old, decrepit guy talking to this, like, 12-year-old boy. And, I, and then I saw him slip the kid a buck. I said, and the kid laughed, and I said, Pop, what in the world are you doing? He said, well, I told him if he sat there and listened to me about Jesus, I'd give him a dollar. <laughs> But you know? What I think Jesus was said that man is shrewd. He used what he had that he could never keep forever to give that away which is forever. Wow, that's what it's about. And so I urge you, open your home to your neighborhood, be the most hospitable place in the block to your kids and your parents. I was so thrilled. Greg and Sarah had a had a block party and they hosted it down there in Saint Simons, Georgia. They had. People they never met. They come over to their house and they're making relationships. and more. What? Just to have a, a weenie with some mustard on it? I don't think so. But you get to know people. They get to love you. You get to reach out. You get to care. The one neighbor fell over. They thought she was dead. Greg ran over and and took care of her, and she came back almost from the dead. Greg's like, I can't believe it, you know. And the whole neighbor knows about this. That's where the doctor, and they love the Lord. You see what I mean? That's what we're doing here. It's not a huddle, you know. It's a, a up the middle, around the end, and punt. It's to make disciples. That's. What we're supposed to be doing—that's what Faithy and I do. We—we've gotten all kinds of neighborhood people. Look, when I was in the hospital in the last year, we've made such an effort to know people that that we just pass us around and by, in. and we've got to meet all kinds of. You can't believe I, I love the fact your cars and letters and calls and you came by. But I have a host of pagans show up at the hospital in our home just to see this pastor. Can you imagine that? Alex shows up at the hospital. I. I couldn't even focus on him. I was on drugs, you know. He's giving me a Starbucks, and he's telling me, I just want you to know that atheists also care for people. I was thrilled with that. And there's Dr. There's Dr. Lenny's there. I come back from therapy. I could hardly walk. He's sitting in a chair. And he's sitting in a, and he's, and he's there. And, and he, you know what I mean? This is what it's about. It really is. And Faith and I, have this. We, we have a pool we put in for our kids 14 years ago. I wish we didn't have a pool now. It's a pain in the neck. It is. Rob's helped me, and David's not here anymore, and we never go. I went in at once and changed the light bulb this year. Of course, I've been debilitated, and I said, well, I wish we could fill it in. I keep throwing chemicals in the thing, and that's it. But Faith just said, oh, it's so nice to look at. <laughs> so much work, you know. So we decided we'd just open it up to the neighborhoods. So every day the little kids are in there swimming. I don't know where they are as long as their parents come. You know we want to, We want to do this. And you know what? It gets out on the whole. Hey, the pastor lets all the kids swim in there. I could care less. And well, I just don't want them to drown. They pay the liability insurance. But you know they're there with their parents and all that. Why? You know, someday we're going to be dead and gone, and we don't live there. Someone else and people change. You know. That's what it's about. Make disciples. That's what we're trying to do. Quick lessons for light. You've been so kind. Let me go a few minutes. So look at number one. Look up here. We as individuals in a church family must be about the business of making disciples. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. It's not a holy huddle up the middle, around the end. and put. No, it's make disciples. What are you doing to that end? Let's do it. We wasted way too much time. This place ought to be filled. There are people here that don't go to church in the greater area, need the Lord, and we ought to be fishing for them. Number two, if you're not listening to Christ and following him today in obedience, you're probably not a disciple. I hate to tell you that. A lot of places called churches are filled with people who think they're Christians and they're not. They may have went down in the tank and got wet, but they're not saved. Call upon Christ today and be saved. Number three, look around and ask, who can I influence for Jesus? Who can I? God has strategically placed you wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you trade or school. Then write their name down, pray, and move forward to invest time in those relationships. I'm telling you, it would be some of the most exciting things you think about, if you're able, at the end of the line, you'll look back and you'll remember, God used me in Bill's life and Mary and John. And you know what? They will rise up and bless you. And if you die before them, they'll be at your funeral, if they can make it, and they'll have a tear in their eye. Now, there will be a lot of people be glad, oh, I'm glad he kicked the bucket, but they'll be there with a tear in their eye. They share Jesus with me. Yeah, they will. Number four, all of us, everyone, not just this guy, all of us are called to be an instrument fulfilling this mission. Everyone, you are, I am. Do they come to Jesus if you've never trusted him and be saved? Well, Ford makes trucks and cars and Apple makes great products. We make disciples here. That's what we're doing. That's what it's about.